Well, welcome to Church Online. My name is Pete, pastor here at Destiny, and it's a joy to have you joining with us. Whether this is your first time or whether you're regular, this is your church experience. It's so great to have you connecting. Uh, We're going to pray, and then I'm going to take you on a journey uh, looking at daily worship. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you're with us as we gather in various places, in various situations. Some people are starting this day with apprehension. Other people are full of joy. Some people have had a really rough time. Other people are, are celebrating. But God, no matter where we find ourselves today, I believe that worship is going to be a key for every single one of us. I'm asking you, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Help me to teach. Help us to hear. Please, would you change our lives? We invite you, God, to change our lives. Just under your breath, take a moment just to quietly pray and just ask God, God, would you touch my heart today? Would you speak to me? Just pray that prayer. So, Father, whether this is someone's first experience of church or whether this is regular for them, I pray that people would meet with God today as we turn to the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There was a lady by the name of Mona Simpson, and she was a a writer working in New York City, trying to scrape together a living. Out of the blue one day, she was contacted by someone saying that he was her brother. Now, she didn't know she had a biological brother, but this news came out of the blue, and she discovered that she indeed did have a biological brother, and they arranged to meet up. Uh, they, They met up, and she discovered that her biological brother was in the computer technology industry. And, he, and she, oh, she said, oh, I'm a writer, and I've been using a typewriter up until now, and I was just thinking about buying myself uh, a computer and transitioning from a typewriter to a computer. And his, her, her brother said, listen, I'm really glad you didn't, because uh, I'm, about, I'm, I'm in the process of designing one of the most incredible computers you can imagine, and uh, when, when it comes out, you'll be glad you waited. Her, her brother's name was Steve, uh, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Corporation. Years later, as we know, Steve Jobs recently passed away, and Mona Simpson, Steve's biological sister, at Steve's funeral, describes the last moments of Steve Jobs' life. And she says this, At the very end, his breathing was becoming labored. His family were gathered around him, and before dying, he looked up at his sister, Patty. And then from, for a long time, he moved on to, with his eyes. He started looking around each of his children. And then he looked at his lifelong partner, Lorraine. But then he gazed past their shoulders into space. And his final words came out of his mouth. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, we don't know what he meant by, oh, Wow. Was it that he was thinking back over his entire life and looking at the huge accomplishment of founding the Apple Corporation? Wow! Or was it as he looked around his family and thought, this is incredible. How fortunate I've been to have such family. I don't know if he was... It was that which was inspiring him to say, wow. Or indeed, I don't know if he looked past their shoulders and he somehow saw a vision of the world to come. He saw into another realm. I don't know. Because the reason I say that is because that's not that uncommon. As people are dying, they start to get glimpses of the realm of God. Oh, wow. I don't know what it was that inspired that wow 
But all I know is that in every single one of our hearts, we can have a wow inspired by the things that God has blessed us with and by God the blesser himself. Albert Einstein, one of the greatest mathematical and scientific thinkers of all time, he said this, you can, there's two ways to see life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Wow. So I'm going to use that word, wow, W-O-W, and I'm going to make three points, each of them beginning with a different letter, W-O-W. Point number one, and I'm going to talk about worship, is this. Why worship? Why worship? It says in Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It tells us that every day is a gift from God. And every day you have a purpose. And your purpose every single day of your existence is to worship God. If you're not worshiping, then you are forfeiting the very reason for your existence. You're here to know and worship the gods who created you. You're born to bring glory to God. It's interesting in the Westminster Catechism, which I know you've all memorized, okay, ancient document describing the historical Christian faith, it sums up man's purpose. And I think it's a great summary. It says in the Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It is truly our grand obligation. Uh, many secular people and maybe atheists or agnostics complain, well, why does God require worship? Or why do you think that's even appropriate for a, a being to require us to continually give him attention? Why would God, you know, is he some sort of egotistical megalomaniac? I think Richard Dawkins referred to him in that way. Is he some sort of egotistical megalomaniac? Is he, got, is he so needy and insecure that he continually needs people to tell him how good he is and how great he is? Is that this kind of being? You know, in fact, the only reason you'd worship a being like that would be out of fear of judgment. Well, let me put it this way. If, if a celebrity or a CEO of a company or a politician required that you continually tell them how great they were, that would be egotistical. In fact, that would be evil. If an angelic being continually demanded that you tell them how great they are, that would be evil. In fact, that would be satanic because that's, that was exactly what Satan did in his rebellion against God. However, what's the difference between God and a celebrity or God and an angel? The answer is this. An angel and a celebrity or a politician or a CEO are created. However, God is the creator. And that's a world of difference. God is the only being in the universe who deserves unreserved, passionate worship, adoration, and service and praise. It's not only right to praise him, it would be eternally inappropriate not to praise him. He's God. He's God. No one came up with God. God just always has been. God is the uncreated creator. No one came up with God. God eternally has existed. 
so to discuss, as, as many atheists would, you know, is appropriate to worship? Well, it's as futile as to discuss the existence of God, whether that's appropriate, because God just is. No one came up with worship just as no one came up with God. Worship is because God is. Worship eternally is appropriate because God eternally exists. Imagine a lady who had a brooch, and and she had inherited this brooch from her mother. And in turn, her mother inherited the brooch from her mother, and so it had been passed down through the generations. This lady has this brooch. And to be honest, she hasn't really given it much attention. It's been often left just lying, gathering dust on on her dresser. But one day, later on in her life, she decides, hey, I'm going to go and get this brooch valued. So she takes it along to a local jeweler. And the local jeweler gets the item, and he puts his little eyepiece in, and he starts studying it. And he starts seeing how the light refracts around the jewels, and how it's got the different textures on it, and the different colors, and and the skill with which it's created. And then in a moment of almost shock, his eyepiece drops out his his face, and he says, wow! And he exclaims, this is an incredible piece. He said, this is one of the rarest, most sophisticated, most beautiful, most valuable items I have ever seen. And in fact, he realizes in that moment that the item he has in his hand is, is worth more than all the jewels in his whole shop. In fact, it's worth more than all the jewels he's owned over the last 30 years since he began the shop. And he's blown away. Now you think about it. That lady, all her days, has had that item and has treated it as if it wasn't valuable. Almost has neglected it as if it's not important. Whereas in a moment of gazing upon it, this jeweler is in awe of the piece, the artifact that's in front of them. So who are you? Are you the, are you the lady who's just taken for granted the incredible greatness, not, not, not just the greatness of creation, but the greatness of the creator who gave the greatness to the creation? Have you, have you been taking him for granted? Or are you, the, are you the jeweler who, having investigated God, you are in awe, you are desiring to worship him and adore him? That is eternally appropriate. You know, I don't know if you, you'll have noticed this. Happy people. People, the lie we're told in the secular society is this. If you prioritize yourself, live for yourself, that's how you'll be happy. But the, the irony is, the most unhappy people are the people who pursue their own happiness. That is the irony. Ask anyone who's pursued a hedonistic lifestyle or who's pursued all that the money can buy, and they're just not happy because that is not where happiness comes from. Happy people, I, I've, I've observed, happy people are the people who prioritize others. You, you meet someone who prioritizes other people. And I'm, t- I'm going to show you a happy person. There's, you know there's such a joy and a satisfaction when you do something for another human being, you know, you think, wow, that feels good. You go home at night, you sleep well, you think, I did something good today. I blessed another human being. It's so special. You know that. We all know that. But let me take it to a whole another level. You bless a human being, you feel good. But you bless a human being and you bless God, the creator. I'm telling you what, the people I know who are the most joyous people, it's great to bless people. But you want to have real, even greater joy and happiness. Bless people and bless the God in whose image they're created. Live for God. That is where you will find eternal satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment and joy. Now, 
by creation, we were designed to be worshippers. It is our purpose. But not just by creation, by, by virtue of the fact that we're the creation, he's the creator, by virtue of the fact that that's appropriate to worship. However, it's even another level when you've come to know God through Jesus Christ. A miracle happens in your heart when you come to know God through Jesus Christ, his son. And I, I pray today that for some of you joining, maybe you haven't got that relationship with God through Jesus yet. A miracle can happen in your soul today if you reach out to him. He will save you. Not just by creation, but by recreation, we have a reason to praise. You see, in other religions, you go to a temple. But in Christianity, you are the temple. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 to 20, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You see, you're, you don't just go to a temple, you are the temple. What, and what's the purpose of a temple? Well, it's a place for adoration of God. You know, if, if you're not worshipping, you're not fulfilling your purpose as a temple. You're like a sweet shop that doesn't sell sweets, <laughs> or a car manufacturer who doesn't produce cars, or like a restaurant that doesn't even serve food. You being a human being, but also a recreated human being, not knowing and worshipping God. You're forfeiting your purpose. Your life is only as strong as your worship. So, why worship? First is W, why worship? The O stands for overflowing worship. Overflowing worship. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and the Amplified adds in the extra words, from the heart and in truth. True worshippers, Jesus said, will worship the Father in spirit, which means from the heart, and in truth. Spirit and truth. In spirit, from the heart. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're not to worship God just purely academically. You know, like, I'll think great thoughts about God. Or it's not just an academic exercise or just a physical exercise, worshipping. You know, clapping your hands or bowing down. Or That's a very physical. But it's got to actually go deeper True worshippers that God's looking for are people who worship from spirit, from our heart, from the innermost being, from the inside. It's interesting, in the Bible, the Old Testament goes into huge details of the form of worship. It goes into talking a lot about the outward appearance of worship. It talks about the tabernacle, talks about every single detail of worship, all the way down to the tassels on the edge of the robes of the priests. Okay, every detail of form of worship is described. However, when you move into the New Testament, it's stunningly devoid of any reference to any form of worship. You don't find anywhere in the worship, oh yeah, you've got to do it this way, or it's got to look like this. You don't find that in the New Testament. The emphasis is completely changed from form to inwards, heart, attitudes. Completely changed. And you know, it's funny. Um, Sometimes in church, people get all hit up about, ah, oh, the music's too loud, the music's too quiet, I like these kind of songs, I want these kind of songs, uh, you know, etc., etc. I mean, one of the great things about church online is this, no one complains about the drums. No one's complaining about the drums. And you can't complain about the volume. You are in control. You are the PA person. You are in control of the volume, okay? No one can complain. But it's, it's nothing to do with form. You know, I don't care if we sing old-fashioned hymns. I don't care if we play guitars with rainbow straps and, I don't know, 
swing the tambourine, <laughs> whatever we do. We don't do that, by the way. I don't care what we do. That's just form, right? You do whatever you want. Be creative, absolutely. But most importantly, worship from the heart. It's about what's going on in your soul and the innermost being. Jesus isn't looking for, hey, do impressive worship. He's saying God's looking for people who are true worshipers who will worship in spirit from the heart, from the heart. In fact, Jesus' challenge to the religious leaders of his day was that they did the opposite. He said to them in uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 to 9, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, hey, you guys do a great show. I mean, you really do put on a good show. You look the part, you say all the right words, you seem so pious on the outside. But Jesus said, do you know what? Your hearts are far from God. And what God is looking for is heart worship. It's interesting, one of the, uh, an author I read recently was describing driving along a street and the street was pretty much full of bland houses, just bland houses. They weren't very exciting, pretty dull, and just house after house, very uninteresting. And then as they drove down the street, suddenly noticed there was a for sale sign outside one of the houses. And underneath the for sale sign, it said, uh, I'm gorgeous inside. <laughs> in other words, it looked rubbish on the outside. But hey, you've got to see the inside. The decor is incredible. And I, you know, I want that to be said about our lives. You're gorgeous on the inside because on the inside, it doesn't matter how pithy our outside appearance of worship looks like. Hey, we'll give it our best shot. But ultimately, on the inside, we want to be gorgeous on the inside. We want to be people who adore God on the inside. So Jesus said, true worshipers worship in spirit, as in heart, but also in truth. In other words, we're worshiping not based on our, kind of our own version of God. You know, we're not, we're not, it's not vague. It's not like, all right, maybe, maybe God's like this or maybe God's like that. No, we don't have to be vague. We can worship based on truth. God has given us a revelation of himself. It's called the Bible. It's a mind-blowing book. It's a revelation of God. And in the Bible, God displays for us a picture of who he is that will thrill your soul. And you can now worship in heart, yeah, in spirit, yeah, but also in truth. Not your own version of God, but the true God as revealed in the Bible. Truth will inspire you to worship. And the Bible gives us this picture, this mega view of God. It starts with him being the creator who created this incredible world. But he didn't just create the world at the beginning. He continues to be involved in that world. He's not the God of the deists who view God as some distant, detached being. No, he's not. He's involved with his creation. In fact, in, in the Psalms, it says he knit you together in your mother's womb. Every day, every heartbeat you, had, the heartbeat you just had, that breath you just breathed, every single one has been ordained by God. He's involved in our lives. Even though, and this is the story of the Bible, even though we rejected him, he continued to pursue us. Wow. Wow. Every reason to worship a God like that. And in his pursuit of us, the Bible tells us that 2,000 years ago, God did something remarkable unprecedented. God became a man. Jesus Christ was born, born to a virgin, fully man, fully God, God in the flesh, the incarnation. And his teaching was incredible, remarkable teaching. You should read it, the Gospels, absolutely incredible. And his miracles, saw the dead raised, saw people healed, people who couldn't see, seeing, cast out demons from people so they were freed from their oppression. 
lived an outstanding life. And during his life, as he performed some miracles, it wasn't uncommon for his disciples or the crowds to actually worship him, a man. I mean, that wasn't blasphemous because Jesus literally is fully God. And then at the end of it all, he died on the cross. Now that blows me away. And it should blow you away. If someone died for me, just a human, I would be blown away. I would... But if that person who died for me happened to be God, the creator of all things, the one who is worthy of everything, died for me, then I'm so humbled. And boy, am I so loved. I'm loved more than I ever realized. He did that for me, and he did that for you. And on the third day, Jesus, having conquered death and paid the price for your sins, rose again, and Jesus Christ is alive. The Bible tells us he is the future monarch of planet Earth. In fact, he is currently ruling and reigning, but he will return and he will establish his reign on Earth. And there will be a new heavens and a new Earth. And you think, wow. So we worship in spirit, in heart, yeah. But we also worship in truth. The truths that were revealed to us from God through the word of God, through the Bible, are just mind-blowing truths. And it inspires and it's accurate worship, not vague maybe God's like this, maybe God's like that. No, he reveals himself. He is an incredible God, far greater than any version of God we could come up with. The great God himself has revealed himself. George Frederick Handel um, wrote the incredible Handel's Messiah. And he first performed it on April the 13th, 1743, to a packed house. And George, uh, King George II was present at that performance. During the hallelujah chorus, hallelujah means praise the Lord in Hebrew. During the hallelujah chorus, uh, King George II was so moved that he spontaneously stood to his feet and stood throughout the entire performance of the hallelujah piece. Actually, everyone in the auditorium, when they saw King George stand, they also stood. And for the entire piece, they stood silently listening to this adoration and worship of the true God. And from then on, if you've ever been to Handel's Messiah, it is a tradition that during the Hallelujah Chorus, following the tradition of King George II, that everyone would stand during the chorus. Handel, when he wrote the Messiah, actually was in a pretty bad place. He was a bit messed up. Uh, he had a notoriously bad temper. He often got into fight with, fights with fellow musicians. He was in debt he was depressed and utterly hopeless. And then one day, out of the blue, there was a knock on the door, and it was his poet friend, Charles Jennings. And he said, um, George, I have for you a collection of writings. They're quotes from Scripture. And I've compiled this, and I've called it the Sacred Oratorio. The Sacred Oratorio. Would you be willing just to cast your eye over it and see if you can do anything with it? And uh, Handel, who wasn't really in the place to be, he, he didn't have the headspace, but he, he begrudgingly said, okay, thank you, and he took it from him, closed the door, and he sat down to read, and then he couldn't stop reading. As he was reading the scriptures, describing God, as he was reading the truth about God, his heart was utterly captivated. In fact, he locked himself away for 25 straight days, often going without food because he didn't want to be distracted. As he read and studied these passages, and he started writing the music, and out from that period's 
not only did he produce Handel's Messiah, one of the most famous pieces of music, but he also came out an utterly changed man. He describes it to his friend. He said this, it was, I did see all heaven before me and the great God himself. We worship in spirit from the heart and in truth. That's where the overflow comes. And then finally, when should you worship? When should you worship? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You you can say that with me. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So you start your day, give glory to God. You end your day, give glory to God. You sit down for a meal, give glory to God. You go to work, give glory to God. You start every challenge with glorifying God. You face a challenge in life, you give glory to God. In everything, you give glory to God. When you're in the shower, give glory to God. When you're driving, give glory to God. When you see your kids, give glory to God. When you're out walking, give glory to God. Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy spent many years during World War II in the Ravensbrück, the infamous death camp, the Nazi death camp, Ravensbrück. And they were taken there, and on entering the barracks, they were believers in the Lord Jesus. On entering the barracks, uh, they saw it was overcrowded and flea infested. Anyway, that morning, their Bible reading was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, which reads, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank God for every detail of our lives, even though they were in a concentration camp. Let's just thank God for our accommodation. <laughs> and, and they did, they gave thanks. But Corey Ten Boom had real problems thanking God for the fleas. <laughs> but Betsy said, no, let's even thank God for the fleas. And so after a while, Corey said, okay, I'll thank God for the fleas. And she writes in her book, The Hiding Praise, that during the months in that camp, they were able with others to spend time Bible reading and praying and worshipping together in that accommodation. And she often wondered why it was that they weren't disturbed by the German officers until later they discovered that the reason the guards left them alone was because of there were so many fleas in those barracks. So even the fleas you give thanks for. So would you live a life of wow? Would you have an adoration of God who created you? First W stands for why worship? Well, it's your purpose. You've been created by God and our purpose is to worship our creator. And not only have we been created, we've been recreated in Christ Jesus. Your temple, your purpose is worship. O stands for overflow worship. And Jesus calls us and he said, hey, your purpose is to worship in spirit. That's from the heart and in truth. Thank God we can worship from the inside and it's not based on vague notions of God. It's based on a solid revelation of God, a self-disclosure found in Scripture. And boy, what a picture of God we are given. Let it overflow in worship. And then finally, when should you worship? Well, all the time. 
in all circumstances. Just let it part of your daily life. Start your day that way. End your day that way. In the challenges, do it. In everything you do, give thanks. So let's make a choice right now. We're going to pray. Let's make a choice to become worshippers of God. Let's respond. Let's pray. Father, oh, we give thanks to you so much. Oh, we give you praise that you are so magnificent. God, thank you. We're not at the mercy of coming up with our own version of God. You've revealed yourself and you are amazing. We are in absolute awe of you. Father, we together make a choice today. We're going to be worshippers. We're going to be worshippers. We're not going to be like the lady who had the most wealthy, most beautiful, most valuable thing available and yet spent her life neglecting it. We want to enjoy you every day of our existence. We want to rejoice in you and delight in you every day of this life and of eternity. Just make that commitment to God just now. Maybe you've been ignoring God. Maybe you've been living like he's not important. That's eternally inappropriate. Make a choice today to worship and glorify God. Just pray and just commit yourself and just take a moment right now where you are just to give thanks to him. In your own words, give him thanks. Give him praise. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you just know, do you know, Peter, I don't yet have a relationship with God. I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing about God and I want to know him, but I don't know him. Well, I have good news for you today. Jesus Christ came into the world to save you, to bring you from where you're at into a relationship with God. That's why he died on the cross and rose again. And through Jesus, you can have this new life begin today. And if you want that today, then very simply, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to read it out. It'll be on the screen here as well, one line at a time. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. And let this come from your heart. Pray to God. Let's pray. Say, dear Lord God, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for coming into this world. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. You paid the price for all my sins so that I can be forgiven and have eternal life. I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. I believe that you're alive right now Would you take first place in my life from now on? I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. God, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for accepting me, for forgiving me, and for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.